Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 180. Today is going to be kind of an interesting episode. We had sort of a shift in our plan for our episode today. We are going to be talking about the Ammons family haunting, which you guys have been requesting some spooky content. I know in years past, pretty much every year, we do in a whole a whole month of paranormal haunting you know, spooky stuff that goes with Halloween. However, we have been following a lot of cases right now and and focusing our energy more on that and also going through a lot mentally that we just didn't have. I I feel like I didn't really have the energy to fully do a month of Halloween content, you know, and we felt like there were other more important things for us to focus on this month. And we did want to give you guys one episode because we know you guys love to hear about hauntings, paranormal, and that's one of Josh's favorite subjects. So it he is. really wanted to do this episode. Said we had to get at least one in before the end of October. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just a complete, I know, complete I know. waste of this beautiful month. And I feel like we need to change up because we have been yes. doing a lot of true crime. And I know people are also feeling very heavy about a lot of the cases that are going on right now. It's just... A very strange time. And so we were going to be, well, we are going to be going through this haunting. However, Josh is going to be guiding us through it for the most part because I have been focused all day on a huge update in the hunt for Brian Laundrie. And I wanted to start this episode talking off, talking about that. And that's why, even though it's Halloween and we normally have cobwebs and we put costumes on stuff. Maybe we just feel that's really inappropriate um, on true crime content to be in a a costume. And that's why, especially talking about something so sensitive as the Gabby Petito case. Absolutely. Just not the time or place to do that. Yeah. And unfortunately this is the last episode going up this month in October Mm -hmm. and then it'll just be, you know, waiting till next year, I guess. Yeah. For more, maybe we can do more of that next year. I know people do really enjoy that, but we are going to, like I said, cover that haunting, but we're going to start this episode off talking about the latest update on Brian Laundrie. So obviously we are just getting this breaking news today, which is October 20th that we are recording. Um, And at this point, I'm going to tell you what we know However, new information could come out in the next couple of days by the time this episode goes live. If there's anything major, I will probably insert a voiceover at some point during this update. Um, But if not, we will pin a comment, uh, post on social media, put something on our community tab if there is confirmation on all of this. So this began about nine hours ago today, this morning it was announced that some articles belonging to Brian Laundry had been found in the reserve, the Carlton Reserve, according to the Laundry family attorney, Stephen Bertolino. Chris and Roberta Laundry went to the Mayakachi Creek Environmental Park this morning to search for Brian. The FBI and NPPD were informed last night of Brian's parents' intentions, and they met with Chris and Roberta there this morning. After a brief search on the trail that Brian frequented, some articles belonging to Brian were found. As of now, law enforcement is conducting a more thorough investigation of that area. So, of course, this caused quite a buzz online and everyone wanted to know what was going on. Tons of media started 
flying over the scene. No one could be allowed in. So everyone was trying to figure out what was going on. And eventually it was seen that there was crime scene tape there as well. And command center vehicles started showing up. Government vehicles started showing up. And when they put the tents up, you always know that there's something that they don't want you to see or they found something that they don't want. Yep. And I was, you know, remaining hopeful at that point, thinking maybe it's just the items, whatever. We didn't know anything else. Then a few hours later, there was an update from the FBI saying that items of interest were located in the Carlton Reserve this morning in connection with this search for Brian Laundrie. An FBI evidence response team is processing the scene. The reserve is closed to the public. No further details are available at this time. And then it came out that a senior law enforcement official told NBC News that what appeared to be partial remains had been found in the Carlton Reserve in an area that was previously underwater. These remains were found near a backpack consistent with items that Brian Laundrie may have had. So... A press conference was announced very quickly after this. I'm not sure if that information was supposed to be released that quickly, but it seemed like they wanted to confirm the details. And they pulled together a press conference in like a couple hours. It was at 4.30 Eastern time. And it was very brief. They didn't take any questioning. They had a prepared statement. And not much more came out through this press conference Like I said, by the time you're watching this, I'm sure there will be more. But right now, all they have told us is that investigators did find human remains, partial human remains, and a backpack and also a notebook belonging to Brian Laundrie. And they also did not confirm that it actually is Brian Laundrie, but they said that they were going to be out there for a few days and that it's going to be a little while until they do make any confirmation like that or give us any more information. And it's very curious because the laundry parents were actually out there today. And Chris, we know his father had been at the reserve before already, but this was the first day, as far as I understand, that his mother actually was out there. So there's been a lot of confusion about were they called out there specifically or did they just decide to search that day and happen to be there when these things were found or did they find things and then bring them in but there were photographs of them taken what appears to be looking at items yeah and it's also interesting too that this area where this backpack and remains are found was underwater until very recently right so it seems that the water has receded because, again, this is mm-hmm. a swamp, basically. So water goes up and down depending on right. rainfall and just, you know, different environmental factors in this. this Which is something we've reserve. been discussing since the beginning, the possibility yeah. of it just being too hard to find him due to the rising water levels. There was a big storm at one point during all of this. And to go back to what I was saying in that photo of his parents this morning, you can see in like an FBI agent has got his hand kind of on um his father's shoulder and it looked to me like they were comforting them so it sounds like what they found is they they're confident that it does belong to brian well it's also and what are the chances yeah. that the remains found near that are gonna not be him well and the remains are literally in an area of the reserve that the parents told them to look exactly like this was an area brian was known to hang out at mm-hmm. in the reserve and it which is interesting like- because it makes you wonder, did the FBI or the police know this entire time that he could be in this area? Maybe they went to the area and because it was underwater yeah. at the time, they just didn't find anything. Right. But it took the water receding in order to, to uncover 
his remains. Well, and, and it all makes sense. And going back to what we've said in previous episodes, you know, we were saying you hope that they had something out there, some reason to believe he was out there with the amount of time they spent searching for him. And so maybe they did have information or more reason to believe he really was out there. They just couldn't access him because of the water, which has been something they've brought up several times about the high levels of water and how much, you know, trouble that was causing for them in the search. Well, it sounds like they're going to be out there. They've got the FBI mm-hmm. uh, forensic evidence team out there. They're going to be out there at least for a couple of days because, again, they only found partial human remains, Right. which if that is Brian, which it seems like all signs point to the remains being Brian's, what, you know, now it's trying to figure out what happened to him. What was the cause of death? Are they going to be able to find the rest of his remains as they continue searching? Because partial remains to me sounds like either he took his own life and then wildlife got a hold of him Mm -hmm. or the elements sort of, you know, pulled him apart because of the environmental factors or he just was attacked by a wild or, or, wild yeah. animals i'm saying if he right. didn't take his own life then mm-hmm. either he succumbed to the to the elements i mean this is a very hard place to survive for long periods of time without mm-hmm. supplies mm-hmm. and whatnot and plus there is plenty of wildlife in the carlton reserve there's alligators i've heard even panthers are reported to be there so who knows what exactly could have happened i know so many people are hoping that if it is him that it was something like you know he succumbed to the elements or an animal or something like that because to so many taking your own life doesn't feel like justice and i completely get that this feels i feel so incredibly sorry for her family today i just can't imagine what this day was like for them and how how just angry you would be the idea of him just having committing commit suicide out there and that's the end. That's just the most cowardly, disgusting thing and leaves everyone feeling so empty and just but does, frustrating. What does justice even look like? I mean, you could argue that does having somebody go through the criminal justice system equal justice? I think it depends on the family. You know, I think no one really is going to be able to know what justice would be like unless you are her parents, you right, know, what right. would they want? They, they're the ones that can have to determine it. It doesn't matter what right. we all think. Cause I've seen a lot of conversation today about maybe if it is Brian, that this is a better outcome for them in a way, because they could avoid years of pain and trial and that maybe there's information that Brian had that would really be upsetting for them to know. Um, however, totally. I don't yeah. know if that's how they would feel at all, because I think if I was in their shoes personally, I would, I would want to know, and I would want to see that person be held accountable. I would want to be able to read my victim statement in court, even if it meant mental stress for years. But I think it just depends on the individual yeah. family. Yeah. And I'm not sure how they're feeling about this. They haven't released any statement as far as now we could insert something if they do, but yeah, it's just, it's like, it's hard to see it all kind of end like this. I, I think I said, even in the last episode, I have high hopes that he's going to be found alive and justice will be served. And I feel that sometimes I just get, I kind of look more to the fantasy than the reality and what was more likely. And it seemed like majority of people and you and Janelle felt like, and my mom, when I talked to her, just was, everyone seemed to think this guy's going to end up 
dead and found dead. Well, and, and I mean, that's just kind of the way it it, it happened. I mean, yeah. it's what is he supposed? To, I mean, what it, what can he do? I mean, how often do people go on the run and actually stay on the run and get away with with the crime? You know, it happens, but it's it's definitely it's rare more, for someone like it's him more in ra- his situation, right? Exactly. It's, so yeah. I think it. We all knew that it was one of two scenarios. It was either he was going to get caught and brought in being found out in the middle of nowhere trying to evade capture or he was going to just go somewhere maybe try to stick it out for a bit and then take his own life or he just immediately went in there and went to his normal spot he usually Mm -hmm. goes to and then Mm -hmm. he he took his own life so yeah just we just don't know really at this point I mean, all we can hope for at this right now is that we, this journal is able to be. Well, yes, this is the other thing I wanted to discuss because that was interesting. I thought that that was mentioned by the FBI today because that was not released by the attorney. He said articles that belong to Brian. He didn't specify a backpack or a notebook. Um, So the FBI, the media didn't have that information. They didn't need to share that. It seemed like they were trying to clarify what's already come out so that they can put some of the rumors to rest, but then they brought up the notebook thing and that's just sparked a whole new conversation. What is in this notebook? Is this notebook even salvageable? Is it destroyed? Has it been underwater? Did he have a waterproof backpack? There's been a lot of talk about, did he have a dry bag or some type of special camping bag? And would that, would that actually be able to protect it? Even if it was submerged underwater? Yes. If you went outside in the rain, um you're right or like we're in but this a, is you know, a totally different this isn't like yes. just dropping your bag in a pool right or it could have been ocean. submerged which i don't think we've even gotten clarification about if the backpack was underwater no, we don't know any of those details but it seems like i mean they had searched this area many times right. and the water was high so I, I assume the backpack was underwater too yeah or i mean this it's just so lush in there that it could have just been like in water uh-huh. underneath some and the notebook could have been yeah separate from the backpack yeah. Yeah, we just don't know at this point. I mean, I guess you can only hope that maybe there's some answers in that and that could be some type of closure. I mean, just having nothing and no answers for anyone of any of all of this, I mean, that's just so unfair for her family. So Yeah. I'm very curious about this notebook. And yeah, we'll insert any other updates that come out if there's anything important at this point in the show. So we send our love to the Petito and Schmidt families and you know, we hope that we all get more clarification on all of this soon. So actually, we just got a new bit of information, some breaking news right now as we're recording this. And I wanted to share because this is clearing up some of the confusion we were just discussing. So Stephen Bertolino, the Laundry Family attorney, has made another statement. So he says that his clients had called him yesterday and said that they wanted to search the reserve since it was back open And then he, Bertolino, had called the police and told them that the laundries would be at the reserve at 7 a.m. that day and that the police could meet them out there. So they were the ones who decided to go out there. They weren't called in by law enforcement. And he also said that Chris and Roberta and two officers were spread out on either side of a trail and that Chris, his father, Brian's father, was the one to actually find a bag containing some of Brian's items. And then on the other side of the trail, um, officers were searching and they found the backpack and the notebook on the other side, which ended up being near the remains. And it seems, as far as what we know now, that 
even though Chris did find the item, he did not, he was not part of finding Brian's actual remains. So yeah, that kind of clears it up a little bit. They weren't brought out there to identify something. They chose to go out there and just happen to find these things, which obviously people are, I mean, have a lot of questions about today played out incredibly. It's honestly strangely. bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. I don't know what to even think about just it. Just like, wow. Okay. So the, the first more. day they decide they want to go out there, they just happen to see the, it's just, they go straight to where it is. Yeah. Too, like I'm still, I hope we get more clarification. And again, I will insert a little update after this. If we do in the next few days. Okay. So it is now Friday, October 22nd, and we got a lot of new information yesterday, the 21st. So I wanted to go over that. So first we found out that the remains that they found were skeletal remains. They said bones at first. Then it was announced first, actually, that the laundry parents had been informed that the remains were Brian Laundries. And very quickly after that information came out, an FBI confirmation came out as well. And they say they were able to use dental records to identify the remains. Obviously, this is not the outcome anyone was hoping for. And I'm sure the Petito family is really struggling to process what's going on right now. But they did put out a statement through their attorney. It says they are grieving the loss of their beautiful daughter. Gabby's father will make a statement at the appropriate time and when they are emotionally ready. All right. So let's go ahead and switch gears here and get into this haunting story. I mean, there's exorcisms. There's lots of craziness that happens with this family that lived in the demon house before we get into that though we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back all right are you guys ready for this haunting case yes the reason why i picked this one is because a lot of the haunting stories out there i think people just automatically call bullshit on and they're like there's no way this is real you know on lights out i cover tons i mean i've covered probably nine different ed and lorraine warren cases and wow. every time i put one of those cases up it's like split 50 50 like 50 mm-hmm. percent of people believe you know the story and 50 percent are just like they're frauds it's all a hoax it's for money <laughs> and and that's just kind of how it goes in yeah. the paranormal world i mean a lot of it's very very split it's very controversial a lot of people think that kind of like true crime. There's people in the paranormal world that are just there to exploit it and to make money off of Mm -hmm. these people's stories. And a lot of people are. I'm one of those people who tends to fall in the more skeptical category some of the time or a lot of the time when it comes to some of these stories because some of them are just so off overblown and just you can prove that they're... Yeah, yeah. Or there's just no evidence no witnesses Mm -hmm. no way to verify anything that's why we i didn't we don't do much paranormal content on that's literally why i started lights out because she was like she just didn't want Well, people get mad at me when i don't believe in things they expect me to believe in every (laughs) single thing and if i don't then i'm yeah i mean it's fine (laughs) you should everybody should have a certain level of skepticism and i I believe in the paranormal i believe in spirits yes and absolutely apparitions there's plenty of stories i believe in i'm just picky about what i choose sure. to believe i mean it's just energy at the end of the day right yeah residual energy left over from a human human that's soul right right that's right mm-hmm. i do believe in that so if you believe in that then i want you to go into this with a very open mind because mm-hmm. a lot of crazy shit happens in this one but the difference between this one and some of the other cases out there is there are actually a lot of witnesses, mm-hmm. not only witnesses that were in 
this woman's house and actually observe things happening, heard voices. And we're talking about people from uh, CPS, Child Protective Services. We're talking about police officers. And we're also talking about a priest who performed multiple exorcisms in this house. So this house was that she lived in was where this haunting occurred. And this house is located in Gary, Indiana, which was, it was kind of funny. I was looking at this earlier and there was like, I was reading on Reddit. Somebody's like, there's a lot more you need to be worried about than, than ghosts and, or demons in Gary, Indiana. Cause Gary, Indiana was actually once the murder capital in the world, like oh, the entire really? country. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Very, very like rough, rough place. Gary, Indiana. A lot of rough neighborhoods there. Yeah. I've heard wise. about it. I've heard a lot of bad things happen there. I didn't realize it was one of the top. Wow. Yeah. I think it's still up there, but yeah. So in November, 2011, Latoya Ammons rented a house on Carolina street in Gary, Indiana. And she moved in with her three kids and her mother, Rosa Campbell. So there they are. Uh, we have pictures. They've been interviewed a number of times about this whole experience they had. But Latoya had two sons who are seven and nine years old and one daughter who is 12. And the kids were very excited to move into their new home. And at first, everything was great. You know, they didn't really notice anything. But literally only a month into living there, this is December, mind you. Swarms of big horseflies infested their screened-in porch, which is weird because it's the middle of winter. Flies do not hang out. Ew, what the? In the middle, and this is a screened-in porch, so it's still kind of outside, so it'd still be cold in there. So why is there big swarms of horseflies in there? And so Latoya and her mother, you know, kept killing the flies, but they always came back. Day after day, swarms would return to the porch in huge numbers. That is disgusting. So despite killing them, removing them, next day go out to the porch, they're back. And it's not happening to any of their neighbors? No. Wow. But then, as quickly as these horseflies arrived, they suddenly disappeared. Just ceased to to be there anymore. Which, some would say, well, probably just got too cold and eventually killed all the flies. Or maybe... There was something more going on with these flies, and <laughs> they just vanished for some reason. Mm-hmm. But Latoya and her mother Rosa were very relieved by this. But this was just the beginning of the fun. Soon, more strange things started happening. After midnight, each night, they heard footsteps on the basement stairs. Ew. No. No, 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 no. There's been a couple nights in our house. Yeah. Where I hear noises from downstairs yep, and it, me too. it shakes me to my core and I jump up mm-hmm. and I'm like, do I need to grab a weapon before I run down there? And I run yeah. down there and there's nothing. And and this was this was like last night, too. Wait. Yeah. Remember you we, heard that? I mean, yes, but I think it might have been our bunny. We have this <laughs> one bunny who's kind of a chunker and she likes to jump on things. And when she jumps off, she kind of like slams them against the wall. Sometimes we'll hear these big bangs and think. Something bad happened and we'll run down and it's just the bunny. Could be but, that. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know because when I was staying at your house. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Corelli, mm, yes. she's here for Janelle, here by the way. Yeah, um, I'm Janelle today. Thank yes, you. Yes, <laughs> yes. But she's pet sit for us yes. and stayed at our house. Yeah, I was house sitting for you. And um, I was, I think I was just like in the bedroom or whatever. I swear I heard the front door open 
and it scared what? the fuck out of me. And so like I even went out there and like because this was it like creaks too when you open. It. It's like no, yeah. yeah. So like I, I I I that's what I heard. I heard the creaking, and so like I like got super scared because I'm home alone. Yeah, and yeah. I mean you guys weren't even like this was like day two of me, you know, of me house sitting. Yeah. Um. And yeah, so I went out there and there was literally nothing, and I got the creepiest feeling. I think your house is haunted. We've had so yes, many moments like that. <laughs> I mean, if you've been watching our show for yeah. a long time, since we moved into this house, we've had like weird, creepy things happen and weird things with our neighbors. Yeah. And my brother was staying here and he said oh, somebody yeah. was banging on the front window. Yes. In the middle of the night. And then he went out there and no one was there, mm-hmm. which I mean, we also have like some creepy neighbors. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't think it was that. <sighs> yeah. There's there's sound. Yeah, we are moving actually eventually here <laughs> because... Orbs, a lot of things have happened. Orbs in the studio. Honestly, we've had, we've had like some true crime going on. We've had paranormal in this house. It's been like a wild ride. And then the studio is totally haunted. Dude, last week, your phone fell off the charger. Yep. It yeah. Like flew, if you it watch like the sesh, it, yeah. things happen on the sesh yeah. all the time. And we just leave it in. Yeah. Stuff uh, stuff fell over on here the other mm-hmm. other day, too. Just like randomly fell off. Or the times we'll randomly hear sounds and we'll all hear them during the recording. And we're like, what the hell was that? Was the, the soundboard go off? Like one time we had a little car honk and then yeah, Janelle was, looked in the footage was... and it wasn't even there. It wasn't even there. <laughs> so that's how demonic possession starts. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I will sleep good with tonight the in the house. Honestly, I have a feeling whatever is haunting us is like a friendly spirit. Yeah, at least I'm going to tell yeah. myself there's that to nothing get that is trying to uh, hurt us or is malicious. I think it is a malevolent spirit that is yeah. just here because either I welcomed it in here at some point. But I, I don't know. When we moved into this here. house, yes. there were problems right, right. away. Like or, Halloween of 2019, when we did we did a bunch of Halloween content, I remember we were... Remember the thing with the attic? We heard sounds up in the attic oh, and we yeah. had to open the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes me heart... And then really the bad. TV, remember one of the first weeks we moved oh, in, our yeah. TV like Let's just go on randomly. Wait, no, dude, it flew off the fucking wall. Do you not remember that? It was on the mantle. We had it like balanced oh, on the mantle, yeah. and then all of a sudden, in the middle re- of the night, fell off. All of a sudden, the TV just flew off the mantle. It was one of our second, Forgot maybe our second that. week here. You're right. It's just been. There are so many things we're starting to yeah. forget about them. Yeah, we've caught a lot of them on camera. There was one in one of my videos as well. I don't know, man. So basically, Latoya and her family are having similar experiences to what we've had in our house. They're hearing footsteps going down the basement stairs. And of course, when they rush to the stairs, there's nobody there. Mm -hmm. So then it went from hearing footsteps to soon hearing the sound of the door opening from the basement to the kitchen. So a lot of houses, the basement door is in the kitchen and they would hear that door open. So the and mind you, this is two women with a couple kids living in this house. So they're freaking out because they're like, I mean, they're not in the best neighborhood ever. So there's a, there's strong likeliness that somebody could be breaking in or an intruder or something like that. But of course, when they go to check, there's nobody there. So as these things are happening, Latoya is getting a little more freaked out. So she starts locking the basement door at night, but they kept hearing the same sounds, the heavy footsteps followed by the creaky door opening and closing. Then one night, Latoya woke up startled as someone was coming out of her closet and walked into the living room. She was like, whoa, what was that? And she actually crept out of bed and followed it. And when she went into the living room, there was a shadowy figure that kind of resembled a large man that was just pacing around the room. 
She then turned on the light to the living room, preparing for the worst to see whoever this figure is, potentially an intruder walking around her house. But of course, when she turned on the light, the figure disappeared. But then what's super crazy is that when she walked over, she saw large, wet, muddy boot prints all across the floor. So you might be thinking, well, this could just be Latoya seeing things that aren't there, but there's actually a picture of the footprints for one. But she also wasn't the only one who witnessed events inside this house. On March 10, 2012, Latoya hosted a wake for the death of a family member. And several relatives were up late that night with Latoya and Rosa, and everyone was just talking and grieving together. And then around 2 a.m. in the morning, they heard Latoya's daughter screaming from her room, Mama, Mama. Of course, they got up, rushed into her daughter's room, and what they saw was absolutely shocking and unexplainable. Her daughter was unconscious and levitating off of the bed. Um, holy shit. Okay. Just floating above the bed. I'm, I'm speechless. That's, I don't know what I would do. What Imagine would you do walking you into that? your daughter's holy room. Shit. I would be very, very scared for her. Holy shit. So they ended up making a circle around her and started praying. It's a prayer praying. circle, yeah. I would call 911 personally, <laughs> but <laughs> I'd be so scared. I'd be like screaming, running to neighbor's house, trying to get anyone I could. I'd be so scared. What's 911 going to do about that, though? I don't know. Something. <laughs> Hopefully the ambulance can bring something. Can bring can her down. Bring her down. Yeah, that's insane. I don't even, oh my God. I feel so bad for them too. And you know, these pictures of them, these it was interviews, traumatic, they, man. it was totally traumatic. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it was terrifying. I really can't imagine seeing something like that. Yeah. But then when her daughter woke up, she had no memory of what had happened. What? So she was unconscious and, and literally just like taken over by something uh, else. I hate that kind of stuff. That scares me so bad. So is that her getting possessed when she was levitating? Probably. Or was she- I think she was already possessed. She was possessed probably immediately after moving in. And whatever this entity is, is gaining strength and is manipulating her and feeding off of her. I mean, oftentimes, if you believe in the world of evil spirits, demons, whatever you want to call it, oftentimes we find in over a large number of cases that children are often preyed upon because they are so naive and gullible and they're pure pure exactly yeah i'd say they're closer to the other side too so maybe they're still more there's always talk of that like an easier Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah it's it's definitely an easier being to possess yeah there's a it's a lot easier for them to manipulate and well that's a new fear for me for having kids i'm glad we're not going to have them in this house (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Seriously, though. Also, after this whole ordeal, the relatives that were visiting LaToya left immediately and refused to ever come back into the house. And any friends or family who did come to the house eventually saw something terrifying and did the same thing. They never came back. So it was very lonely and isolating for LaToya and her family because nobody wanted to come over to their place anymore because they were all terrified of it. They're, they're already associating it with some type of demonic activity. Yeah. And I mean, they were all, I mean, she comes from a, a religious family. LaToya mm-hmm. and her family members are, are involved in the church. I would say probably Christian. And so when this type of activity starts happening, it's very scary. Well, I think it's scary for everyone, no matter what religious background you have. 
your daughter levitating and all these things happening in your house would just be terrifying for anybody. And it's such a horrible situation, especially when you own the home, because it's not like you can. Well, I guess you could if you wanted to spend a ton of money, go stay in a hotel and get out of the situation. Yeah. But that's not always an option for people. No. you know. And for how long? I mean, and then how do you it's like the fear of how do I even sell this house, especially with it, the rumors starting to get around about it? Or how do you fix you this so problem? Like, who do you call? Who, who's going to come right. fix this? Like, there's not there's just no like ghost, a Ghostbusters. You're not going to call. Yeah, you're not going to call Ghostbusters. No, no definitely no. not. I don't know. That's ugh. so it kind of puts you in a tough position. Oh, my then. gosh. I can't imagine. Especially like, trying to get rid of something that's not there. You know what yeah, I mean? That you right. can't see. You can't yeah. like right. tangibly see. So right. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. like you can physically like set a trap for it, <laughs> yeah. capture it in yeah. a bottle and then like take it outside and yeah. release it. <laughs> be nice if you could, right? That yeah. would be cool. <laughs> but let's play a clip of this interview of LaToya just kind of talking about her experience with this. One of the demons started, his image started coming in in full. Like we would see them, but we would see, you know, like shadows. the shadows, like the ghostly look of them, like as if a person was walking around. So you, they, they felt like they had some substance for their shadows. Yeah. Okay. Yes. My other guests who came by, they saw them as well. Mm-hmm. So it had us. Nobody would come back. No one, house. no friends, no family wanted to come around. And, you know, we understood because it was scary. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we felt alone. Um, hurt, lost, and we had no one to depend on but but the Lord. So just like you were saying, in this type of situation, I think a lot of people would be like, I need to get out of this house. Right. Clearly, there's something going on in here, whether you go to a hotel or you just move out completely. And of course, LaToya wanted to get out of this situation. Mm-hmm. She wanted to get her family out of this house, but they didn't have a lot of money and they didn't know anyone who could take in five people. So they were just kind of stuck there. And having to deal with this horrible situation. So Rosa told her that they needed to get help from the church because something supernatural was obviously happening in the house and they couldn't deal with it alone. So Latoya started calling local churches, but after explaining what was going on, most of them brushed her off. What the heck? That's what's crazy is that seriously, though, if I were to call (laughs) up the local churches around here right now and I said, hi, I think I might have demonic activity happening in my house. Most of them would just be like, sorry, I can't help you. Or Yeah. Well, it's not like they're really trained all of them to do that. But yeah, you'd think that would be the right person to call, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what you grow up thinking. There's no one else to call. Right. I remember my member, my friend who thought she was haunted back in college. I just did an episode on my crazy roommate stories on the sesh and she had to go visit with a priest, but they wouldn't come back to our dorm because she thought the dorm was haunted. But yeah, that's like, I guess the only person you can try to go to is a church. Well, and you have to look for the right church and not all churches have somebody who can help with no. that type of thing. Aren't a lot of priests trained to exercise though? Like, no, have have- actually there's very few that still do yeah. it now. It's kind of a, a lost practice. There's, there's yeah. definitely, and, and it's very controversial. I mean, there's a it, there's a lot of even Catholic churches that don't recognize exorcisms as being even a real thing. Mm-hmm. But the Vatican still does have yeah. uh, priests that can do exorcisms. So do you still do the whole but power it, of Christ compels you? Thing. Sort of. Yeah, sort of. I mean, there's some more different rites and rituals that they do, but mm. it's it's not like there's just going to be somebody who can perform an exorcism. You not know, because that you you're can a find. priest. 
You- right. Just because you're a priest doesn't mean you're qualified or have the know-how to because you're because you're basically going to battle with a some type of supernatural being that could be either evil or you know just so I guess misunderstood. Your only hope if you can't get help from a church is maybe some type of small paranormal investigator group you know like yeah. brian bonner who we had on our show at one point the episode was taken down by youtube for literally no reason thanks so much but that was an interesting interview because he would go to people's houses where they thought there was hauntings going on investigate figure out if it was something else or if it was something actually paranormal but it's not like that's readily available everywhere um yeah yeah well all the belief different belief systems have different ways of handling this type of thing too like if you were to look into Native American uh, shamanism and things mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. there's, there's, you know, they call them different things. Demons mm-hmm. is a word that is from Catholicism, is right. from the Bible, right? But from other religions and other cultures, it, there it's referred to by different names. But mm-hmm. ultimately, it comes down to dealing with an evil spirit. There's some type of evil spirit or interdimensional being that is from some other realm that is Mm -hmm. malicious in nature that you're dealing with, which is very possible. And there's lots of documented cases of people interacting with these types of beings. Mm -hmm. So I guess based on what your own personal beliefs are, it's going to be how you handle this or who you contact or right. But obviously people think that exorcisms is the most like efficient way to deal with this type of thing. So that's kind of what they're Mm -hmm. trying to figure out is if we can find somebody to, bring them in and hopefully rid the house of this evil spirit. I think I'd be so desperate if that was happening to my child that I would call in just about anyone who claimed they could do anything. But one of the churches, they told her to clean the house with bleach and ammonia and then to draw crosses on every door and windows with olive oil. The bleach is interesting. And this would help rid the house of evil spirits. Is that common bleach? I've never heard that before. Yeah, Does bleach kills spirits. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it kills the germs uh, in the house. Maybe they think that there's some type of mold in their house that's causing them to hallucinate. Oh, so yeah. by cleaning the whole house with bleach, maybe you get rid of and some type of I don't know though hmm, of thing like that. And then the olive oil thing is interesting too. I haven't heard that, but the olive oil helps rid the house of evil spirits. Yeah, this was just what one particular church told them to do. Okay. So this isn't like there's yeah, not like no, there's I know, a I know, it's not guidebook, the right? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's interesting how everyone has a different take on how to handle these things. Right. right. So she started, she did all of this and then she even poured olive oil on her kids' hands and feet and used it to draw crosses on their foreheads. She also prayed over the children. And when she did this, it seemed like this evil presence would leave them alone, at least for a little while, but it was never for very long because then the strange things just kept on happening. So Latoya decided to reach out to a psychic. And she got advice from two psychics who told her that more than 200 demons were possessing the home. Holy fuck. So two two psychics. Oh my God. There were 200 demons that were infesting this home. That is a total infestation of demonic. Like basically a portal was opened in this house to some other dark world where Demons are just come free flowing in and out of it. What do you even do with that information? How do you go to sleep ever again? I don't know. They were like, you need to move immediately and never go back. And that's the only advice they could give them. Damn. That this is like this house stuck. What is too do? far gone to, to even stay there. Like there is no ridding this house of the evil. But how are you going to sell it now? 
Right. Who wants a house with right. 200 demons? Right. So they said, you know, if you're going to stay in this house, then you need to follow these instructions very carefully. So what they told her to do was to make an altar in their basement using an end table and a white sheet and then set it up with a Bible, a white candle, and then statues of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. Mm. And then she poured salt all along the basement walls, which would which is a known thing to help keep evil spirits out. Yep, my roommate tried that too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Brought in the salt to the dorm. Very nice. <laughs> she also opened the Bible to Psalm 91, which is a passage about being protected by God. And then she got help from a friend in order to complete this ritual. And they actually all dressed in white and tied white scarves to their head. And they burned sage and sulfur through the entire house, leaving a thick trail of smoke. And together, they basically walked around reciting this Psalm 91 out loud. Latoya even drew a cross in the air with the smoke as they made their way through the house. So they're basically doing their own sort of exorcism cer uh, ceremony uh, inside of the house. They went all around upstairs and then into the basement. And that was it. That was all they, they could really do. And now they just had to wait and see if it actually worked. And for the next three days, everything seemed totally normal. And nothing strange or unexplained happened in the house. But then... Three days later, the spirits came back, and they came back with a vengeance. Oh, shit. And this time, they went straight at her kids because her kids started acting very strangely. They would get these twisted smiles that would appear on their faces for no reason. Oh, no, no, no. And they started so talking creepy. in strange, deep voices ew no this is giving no, me no. like actual like this is actually making me a little scared <laughs> these do make me scared so imagine scary. a seven nine and Ooh, 12 no. year old walking around the house talking in deep voices oh that's so scary eyes bulging oh my god i feel so bad for this family and smile crooked like a crooked yeah, smile oh like, my god like a twisted oh my yeah, god oh, no. yeah like hell no clearly being you know some type of possessions happening there in order to make that happen because mm -hmm. the demons are pissed they did not like this whole godly ceremony they had inside the home that was completely it was like spitting in their faces so now they're coming back meaner than before but the kids would go through these episodes where they would they would talk different look different and then they would not remember any of it afterwards her seven-year-old son would actually sit in his closet talking to himself and literally having an entire conversation as if somebody was in there with him. And when he would have this conversation, he would talk in a low, gruff voice that was so deep, there's no way it could come from a seven-year-old kid. And he'd say things like, I've been here long enough. I came to kill. I'm going to kill now. Oh Your seven-year-old son sitting alone oh. saying shit like that in a deep voice. And then her nine-year-old described in detail what it was like to be killed. Her daughter heard voices that would taunt her, and she would cover her ears and yell things like, I can't take it anymore. Make them stop. I can't look in their eyes. Absolutely terrifying. Latoya also felt strange things, too. Her temperature would rise. She felt weak and lightheaded, and her body shook, and it was unlike anything she'd ever felt before. And she just knew that this was not some natural thing her body was going through, that there was something supernatural that was causing these feelings and her body to change. Rosa tried to help her daughter and grandchildren as best as she could. What's interesting is that she didn't experience anything herself and believe this was because she had a guardian angel protecting her. Mm -hmm. 
So it's just Latoya and the kids, but Rosa is seemingly untouched by this. She's also uh, seen wearing that cross necklace in pretty much every photo. So I wonder if that had something to do with it. There's some level of protection with that. But eventually things got violent when one of the boys shot out of the bathroom like something had literally picked him up and threw him out. What the fuck? Just through the door. And if you think that was bad, Latoya's daughter seemed to get the worst of it, though. Once she was hit so hard with a headboard that she needed stitches. And another time she said she was held down and choked by an invisible force. Oh, my God. The trauma. Which I'm like, what? Choked by an invisible force? So much so that she was literally like paralyzed. She couldn't move. She couldn't talk. So I'm like, maybe sleep paralysis potentially. Mm, that's yeah, could be possible. And I mean, it seems like this is happening. Demons. Happening, yeah. Sleep yeah. paralysis demons, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Could be, could be something like that. She also said a terrifying voice spoke to her, and told her that she would never see her family again, and that they'd be dead in 20 minutes. So very specific things are being said. And being heard by her kids which where is that coming from i mean unless they're being fed this but again multiple people are are witnessing this things also escalated at night and the kids could hardly sleep they were so exhausted and sleep deprived that they missed a lot of school and some nights latoya checked her family into a hotel which was something she couldn't really afford but they did it just so that they could get a good night's sleep that's so sad seriously it's terrible The last night the family spent in the house was very violent. A lamp and an air freshener flew from the bedroom into the living room, and the kids were having episodes and throwing chairs and other furniture around. It was absolute chaos. So LaToya and Rosa grabbed what they could, took the kids, and left. And her older son was picked up and flipped right off of the porch as they fled. So at this point, LaToya is desperate for answers, and she decides to take her kids to the doctor in order to get them checked out. So she took them to their family doctor named Dr. Jeffrey Onekyu in April 2012. He said later that as soon as he walked into the exam room, he was suddenly terrified. He felt like an absolute sense of dread just overcame him. And in his 20 years as a doctor, he never felt anything like that before. He believed the family was suffering from delusions and hallucinations that were making them believe that there were ghosts in their home. But then, literally in the doctor's office, He witnessed the seven-year-old boy start cursing at him in this deep, horrifying voice. Obviously, the doctor is stunned that the seven-year-old boy is cussing him out, but then his brother, the nine-year-old, joined in, and then pretty soon, both boys just lunged randomly at the doctor and attacked him. The medical staff tried to intervene when suddenly, the younger boy was lifted off of the ground and thrown into the wall. Mind you, nobody was touching him. He then landed on the floor and passed out. And as soon as he passed out, the older boy passed out at the exact same time. And they even tried to shake them and like slap them and be like, wake up, wake up, wake up. And they they couldn't. They were just both out cold. So at the doctor's office, they called 911. And at least seven police officers came with multiple ambulances. The staff panicked and it was impossible for the officers to even figure out what had happened because it was just so mind-blowing what they had just witnessed that they were... They didn't even get the full story of what had actually happened. How do you explain that, too? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you? Well, they just, they just freaked out. Yeah. And lo- yeah, there's mm-hmm. just no way to really explain that. Eventually, the boys woke up and the family waited together in the hospital room. But then it started again. 
The younger boy started screaming and trying to attack everyone in the room. Members of the medical staff rushed in again, and it took five men to control him. And at this point, the people there were very concerned about the children. They're like, what is going on with these kids? So they actually called the Department of Child Services in to have them come and investigate because they were they were under the staff was mm-hmm. basically worried that the kids were being abused or neglected mm-hmm. because they were just like, what is this behavior? Clearly something is happening. And I think that the fact that CPS got involved in this case legitimizes the whole story. Yeah. More. And I mean, the there's the whole report, the intake reports actually out on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You can actually download it and read it. So the DCS actually sent out Valerie Washington, who's an experienced caseworker who had witnessed extreme violence, abuse, and poverty to go on an interview Latoya and her children. The staff reported that Latoya and her kids were physically healthy. The kids had no injuries, marks, cuts, or bruises. And the hospital psychiatrist had talked to Latoya and said she seemed to be sound mind. So she seemed to be with it based on her conversations with her. But Valerie immediately suspected that Latoya was suffering from a mental illness that was affecting her children, which I think that's what most logical people would think when looking at this situation that there's got to be something going on mentally and perhaps the mother's mentally ill and therefore that is affecting the children in a negative way because to her it looked like the kids were encouraged every time they exhibited these strange behaviors and things just kept escalating as a result Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like almost encouraged is what she felt like but then again this is just her initial view of what what's going on here But while she was actually talking to the seven-year-old boy, he growled at her and gnashed his teeth. Then his eyes rolled back in his head and only the whites of his eyes could be seen. Oh my God. Which is obviously super freaky to witness, Mm -hmm. but it is still explainable. But then the boy lunged at his brother and started choking him. He held on so tight that again, it took multiple adults to control him. At this point, Valerie decided to take a break and figure out what to do next. I'm sure she was like what totally the? confused. What do I even do here? Totally. I mean, this is probably not the the average case no, she gets no. as a, a caseworker at DCS. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's seen a lot of terrible things, but this just so confusing. Mm-hmm. So later that night, she took the boys and their grandmother into a separate room with an RN and a psychologist. The younger boy growled again while staring at his brother. And he spoke in what sounded like an adult man's voice and said, it's time to die. I will kill you. The older boy then bent over and started like ramming himself into his grandmother. And he just kept running into her stomach with his head over and over again while growling at the same time. Rosa took his hand and actually said, you're not my grandson. You're a demon. And she started praying. As she prayed, the boy's smile widened. And he walked backwards towards the wall. So he just walks backwards. And then to everyone's shock, he literally just kept walking backwards up the wall. What? Yeah. Yeah. In this, in this hospital room. Like I'd with be these screaming people. Yeah. if I saw this. How terrifying. Backwards onto the ceiling. It's just, Which why is there no video footage of this? Physics. Did they not record, you know, I sessions mean, in this, like this? No, or it's still like classified or something. I don't know. That's possible. Because it's a DCS case. So, but they they probably do keep record. They don't often release it. But 
I don't, I actually don't know how that works. That's insane. Just why do we have no visuals of any of this happening? That's that's always my thing. I know. I know. I want to see it. That's makes it's me- hard for me to believe things when I don't see them, but I'm not saying Is I, seeing, I doubt believing, the family. Or, I, no, not necessarily. So I know I'm totally open-minded. I really do believe this family. I just wish we could see it for ourselves, you know? I know. I know. So he's walking backwards up the wall onto the ceiling all while holding his grandmother's hand too. <gasps> so his grandmother's going like this. Oh my Raising gosh. her hand, watching her grandson I gotta walk say, up the wall. I, I think I would drop his hand. I would be so scared. Until he drops. Oh my God. But then he lands on his feet. What? Yeah. Like a cat. Yeah. Yeah. He like oh, drops off whoa. the ceiling. Boop, lands softly on his That's feet. That's wild. Oh my God. All while still holding his grandmother Rose's hand. And everybody's just absolutely stunned in complete silence at what they just witnessed. They're like, holy shit, what was that? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very freaked out at this point because they're like, this is not human. Whatever this is doesn't defies what a human being can do. So what is making this boy capable of doing these absolutely impossible things? Spooky yeah. things, right? Yeah. Valerie, the caseworker, was there. And she ran out of the room because she was so weirded out by what she had just seen. Other staff members come out after her. They're they're running, trying to find the doctor. And again, trying to this, explain is, this what's validates going on. it even more yep. that these doctor, caseworkers nurse, saw these things. All these people yep. witnesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So they found the doctor. They sent the doctor back into the room to talk to the boy um, because he wanted to, you know, <laughs> see what had just happened. Also, he wanted to see if he could do the same thing again. He's like, Oh, well, I, I missed it. Let's see if we can do it again. Well, someone get a camera out. Yeah, yeah, right. The doctor goes in, he starts talking to the boys and he's like, can you do this again? And they're like, what are you talking about? They're like, can you walk backwards up the wall? He's like, walk backwards up the wall. That's the thing is every time Mm -hmm. they did these absolutely bizarre, almost supernatural things, they didn't have any recollection of doing it afterwards. It just was like, yeah, it was like never happened. Wow. That's so insane. And it was at this point that the RN actually suggested that the boy might be possessed by a demon. Even Valerie, who is a complete skeptic, agreed that there is some sort of evil influence on this family. Damn. At this point, they admitted the seven-year-old boy into the hospital, and Latoya stayed with him overnight. Rosa took the other kids to stay with a relative, and none of them wanted to go back to their house, as you can imagine. Yeah. The next day was the little boy's birthday. He turned eight years old, and the poor kid was in the hospital celebrating his birthday, and things just got worse. DCS told Latoya that they wanted to talk to the family again, and Rosa brought the other kids back to the hospital. The family got a little cake and sang happy birthday, trying to celebrate together as best as they could. Oh my gosh. Yeah, after all this shit's going on. After they ate the cake, Valerie came in to talk to Latoya, and she broke the news that they were taking her children into their custody because they believed that they were being neglected and were concerned that the kids had been missing so much school. It's actually just what? like took custody of the kids. Yeah. That's such bullshit. That is fucked up. Up. Well, Valerie wrote in her report that she believed that the kids were experiencing spiritual and emotional distress as her reasoning for doing it. Okay. But how is that the mom's fault? Well, I mean, she's skeptical of what's happening. So she thinks there's some type of something that Latoya is doing that's to her kids so that's horrible. causing the behavior. Yeah. God, what a nightmare right. for this yeah, woman. I know. My God. I know. Her kids love her like they yeah. love their mother. They're super close and they're probably needing her support more than ever while they're going through this terrifying situation. Yeah. 
Oh my God. So they split the family up. Yeah, Great. They, okay. they split the family up and they're obviously very sad. Latoya is feeling very defeated in this and not knowing what to do. But then she actually got some unexpected help. And I'll tell you about that unexpected help right after this last ad break. So by some miracle while they're at the hospital, the hospital chaplain caught wind of what was going on. And that's when he actually called Father Michael Maginot, who went by Father Mike, in order to come talk to the Ammons family. The chaplain explained that the nine-year-old boy was possessed by an evil spirit and likely needed an exorcism. However, Father Mike had no experience with something like this, but he still met with Latoya and Rosa after Mass that Sunday and then actually agreed to go back to their house to check things out. Father Mike talked to the two women for two hours and then they showed him the boot prints that had been left in the living room by the shadowy figure from the previous nights. While this was going on, the bathroom light started flickering. Father Mike obviously noticed it and started walking toward the light, and it stopped. He then inspected it and was sure that the light was off. But then as soon as he walked away, the flickering came back, and this happened several more times. He also said he felt an unsettling presence and said that the light was being controlled by an evil spirit that was afraid of him. After the light flickering incident, the blinds in the kitchen started moving. No windows were open. There was no vents near the windows that could be blowing air, causing them to move. They just started randomly moving. Latoya told the priest that she had a terrible headache, and he decided to do an experiment and put a crucifix against her forehead. And as soon as he did this, she started convulsing, so he pulled it away. He was in the house for four hours total, and he determined that there was a presence there that needed to be exercised. He also thought the presence had attached itself to Latoya. He went around and sprinkled holy water and said a prayer before he left. As he left, he was also able to convince Latoya and Rosa to stay with a family member because he deemed that the house was not safe. Now, Valerie, the caseworker, met the women at the house a few weeks later for an inspection. And she insisted that a police officer come along and two other officers from the other departments join the inspection as well. As they had actually heard the story about the haunted house, the possessed family, and they wanted to see it for themselves. Because at this point, it was starting, word was starting to kind of get out a little bit that there's this house where all this crazy activity is happening. So people, you know, had heard about the demon house. One of the officers was Charles Austin, who is the captain of the Gary Police Department. He had been at the house the month before for a welfare check when it was reported that the kids had missed a lot of school. And when he went into the house that day, he saw crucifixes, candles, and Bibles everywhere. So he knew something really strange was happening. He believed in ghosts, but not in evil demons. But he said he definitely felt an evil presence while in the house. Latoya asked Father Mike to be there during the child services inspection for moral support and in case anything supernatural happened. And when they all arrived, LaToya lost her nerve. She refused to go into the house. So Rosa actually had to take all of them inside. She showed them the spot where they believed the presence came from. And it was a dirt floor underneath the stairs leading down to the basement, which is very weird. Altogether, they were in the basement for about 15 minutes and several strange things happened. There was a door that led into a separate room. And one officer noticed that the door was in a different position each time he looked at it. But no one had gone into the room, so it was like, how did the door get like that? The officer questioning Rosa turned on an audio recorder to tape her answers, but it wouldn't record because it turned out the batteries were dead, even though they were brand new batteries that were put in the same day. Wow. Which that is a pretty Mm -hmm. common thing that happens Mm -hmm. that 
electronic devices just stop working, batteries drain in places with lots of energy going on. Yeah, we've experienced that in this studio for sure. <laughs> yes, yes we have. <laughs> they eventually got another recorder and they were able to record the conversations that were going on. But later when they played back the tape, they heard a voice whispering and it was really clear like someone was actually speaking right into the microphone of the recorder. Oh, hell no. While they were there, they also took photos. And when reviewing them later, a photo of the basement stairs had a strange white spot in one corner. So they enhanced the picture and saw that the spot had a face. They also saw a green spot that looked like the figure of a woman. Captain Austin took photos with his iPhone and later saw that they revealed shadowy figures. They looked like outlines of people walking around the house, which obviously lined up with what the family had had actually seen before. They had seen these terrifying shadowy figures, and they believed that these were demons. As the captain was leaving the basement, he saw a foil pan with a candle under the stairs, and it looked like the remnants of some type of ritual. So he started to worry that somebody who had lived in the house prior had somehow conjured or opened this portal to hell, so to speak. What's crazy is that when the captain of the police department left the house, he drove a mile away, pulled over at a gas station, he then made a phone call, and was talking when the radio in his car turned to static. And the radio was at full volume. Mm -hmm. And he said he heard a threatening voice say, you in there. Wow. And the other person on the phone heard it too. Crazy. That's so insane. And that's another really common thing, static. Yep. But that wasn't all. When he got home, his garage door wouldn't open, even though it was working just fine earlier that day. The next time he drove his car, the driver's seat moved back and forth on its own. Literally just like moved like this. He went to a mechanic and got it checked out. And they told him that if he hadn't had gotten this fixed so quickly that it likely would have caused a crash that may have injured him seriously or killed him. My God. After this happens, he really started to think that maybe I shouldn't have gone into that house at all because something may have attached to him Mm -hmm. and was causing some of the weird things that he started experiencing. Also, some of the other officers who were inside the house were so afraid that they actually ended up just leaving the police force, quit their jobs, and even moved away from Gary, Indiana. You got to think that he was probably going crazy trying to figure out what was going on with him. And he was very convinced that it had something to do with what they found under the stairs, that it was likely Mm -hmm. some type of conjuring that occurred that brought forth all these evil spirits. But during the child services investigation, officials asked LaToya why the kids missed so much school. And when she said the spirits would make them sick and keep them up all night, they were very concerned. Her older son and daughter were actually placed in an emergency shelter for kids and families, and her younger son was sent to a psychiatric facility where he could undergo more intense evaluation. God, those poor kids. I know, I know. He was evaluated by psychologist Stacy Wright, and at first the conversation was normal. But when she asked him about the haunting or demons, he gave nonsensical answers. And when she tried to push him further, he changed the story to a version that was just as illogical. His answers were different every time she repeated a question. He constantly changed the subject to ask bizarrely morbid questions back at her, like, can you die if you go to space? Just weird things like that. Stacy didn't think he was psychotic. She believed he was being influenced by his mother's delusions and his behavior were reinforced by her and other adults when they believed his stories, which would give him more attention, which he liked, and he would continue to act out. 
Oh, that's terrible. Which could be a possibility of what's going on. Could be. The other kids were evaluated by psychologist Joel Schwartz, and he agreed with Stacy's assessment that they were indeed being affected by their mother's delusions. He recommended that Latoya's daughter undergo a more in-depth evaluation because she seemed especially affected by her mother's religious beliefs. So that's where this case is really split, is a lot of people believe that this is a a case of mental illness Mm. and that one person is affecting others, kind of like a mass hysteria type of situation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where one's freaking out so much that the next starts freaking out. Then before you know it, everybody's freaking out again. It doesn't explain the walking up the walls. doesn't explain a lot of the the footprints and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's kind of like, well, maybe it's both. And that's the thing that really gets me is that multiple professionals saw him walking up the wall. I mean, what are they all making it up to? And the police, the captain Austin, I mean, he had strange things happening to him. Is that Mm -hmm. as a result of Latoya's mental illness or something? Yeah, that's, it doesn't really make sense if, yeah. if that's the only thing going on. Also, during these evaluations, the kids talked about going into trances, blacking out, seeing shadowy figures in their home, and doors and objects moving around on their own. And all three were convinced that demons were to blame, and all their stories matched up. Child services officials gave Latoya supervised visits with her kids, but she wasn't allowed to discuss demonic possession or anything related to the haunting. And discipline had to be completely separated from religion. And in order to get her kids back, she needed to find work and a new place to live that the kids didn't believe was infested with demons. That was like the conditions. So much stress. Obviously, Latoya is just absolutely a wreck this entire time without her kids. And it made finding a job very difficult. But she started working on that right away because she wanted to get her kids back. The police and DCS visited the house again for an inspection. And this time, Valerie refused to go as she was traumatized by what she had witnessed in the hospital. And she still had no rational explanation for a little boy walking up the wall and across the ceiling. This affected her so much that she actually quit her job with the Department of Child Services soon after that hospital event and left Gary, Indiana altogether as well. I mean, that tells you so much. Multiple people. Yeah. Captain Austin went to the house with two other police officers again, and they met Latoya, Rosen, Father Mike, and their new DCS caseworker, Samantha Illick. And most of the group went straight to the basement, the supposed source of the paranormal activity in the house. But Samantha noticed a thick liquid dripping from the ceiling. And when she touched it, she said it was slick, but not sticky. There's no way I would touch it to find out what it was like. Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) And the men all looked all over. They're trying to figure out where is this liquid coming from, but they could not find a source. Father Mike and the police officers wanted to go see what was under the stairs for themselves. I mean, they're expecting to see you know, a dead body or, you know, remains or a pentagram or something, you know, that would indicate there is some type of ritual that had happened or something terrible had just taken place in the basement. So an officer dug a large hole in the dirt about four feet down. And when they did, they found a bunch of random objects, which is kind of creepy. They found a press on pink fingernail, a pair of white women's underwear, a comb, a red tin, two children's socks with the bottoms cut off, candy wrappers, a shirt pin, and a heavy metal bar. So somebody had buried these objects under the stair. That is so fucking scary. To me, this, that, mm-hmm. that screams something ritualistic. ritualistic yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. for sure. Totally. I don't know what ritual that would be, but it's not a good one, that's for sure. After pulling these objects out, they filled the hole 
And then Father Mike spread less salt around the area as well as all around the basement. And then the group went back upstairs to keep looking around. The officers found that slick, oily substance on the blinds in one of the bedrooms that hadn't been there before. The oil was actually coming from between the slats. And like before, they checked everywhere and they couldn't find a source for this liquid. Okay, this house needs to be like bulldozed completely. Well, that's pretty much what happens. Oh, really? Yeah, that's how bad it gets. Yeah. So they photographed the liquid. They cleaned off the blinds. They shut the door. They put a Q-tip in the door to make sure no one could go in without them knowing. And they left for about 40 minutes while the priest blessed the house. And when they came back, the Q-tip was right where they left it. But the oily substance was back on the blinds. They were absolutely positive that no one had been in that room and there was nothing coming from outside the house through the window or the ceiling. So they had no idea what it was. That's kind of a good trick, the Q-tip thing. Yeah. Never heard of that. I mean, if a Q-tip, it could be a lot of different types of objects, but just something to Mm -hmm. signal to you whether or not something changes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Samantha actually reached out and touched this oily liquid on the blinds with her left hand. And she said that the skin from her fingertips all the way to her wrist turned white like a ghost (laughs) like that pun and that literally all the blood seemed to drain away from her hand Mm. when she touched this liquid whatever it was she also felt a terrible pain in her pinky finger it felt all tingly it had felt like it had just been smashed under a heavy weight or that it had been broken holy shit just from touching this liquid so whatever the hell is like, what is this like demon puke? Like, These people are brave trying to figure this out. I yeah. would be so far away from all of this. No way I could handle anything like this. I'd yeah. be running out of that It's house. crazy. And then literally a few minutes after touching it, she has a full on panic attack. Uh, has yeah. to go outside, refuses to come back in because she's probably like, oh my God, yeah. what just what just happened to my hand? I'd be like, sayonara, done with this. Yeah. So shortly after all this went down, LaToya felt the familiar headache she had when she was inside of the house. The pain shot into her shoulders, and she'd had enough and went outside with Samantha as well. Captain Austin, who is a very seasoned police officer, who's investigated cold-blooded killers, violent rapists, he's even been shot at in the line of duty. But literally, nothing scared him like being in this house. There's actually some clips of him talking about this. All of a sudden, while I'm involved in this conversation, the AMFM radio went to static and turned up very loud. And it said, you in there. And the person on the phone say, what the hell was that? And I say, I don't know. I feel that uh, it's something very bad going on in that house. Captain Austin then went outside as the sun was going down and he too refused to be inside the house after dark. Father Mike stepped onto the porch while Captain Austin was checking on Samantha. He stopped and stared straight ahead and his face turned white as a sheet. The captain called out, Father, what's wrong? And the priest answered calmly, The blinds are dripping. Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) So after the second go around for Father Mike, he's like, all right, we got to get an exorcism in here pronto because this is just getting crazy. So in the Catholic Church, there is a whole order to making this happen. You actually have to go up the chain in the Catholic church to get a exorcism issued. Basically wow. it has to be like approved before somebody will actually come out and do an exorcism. There's and there an has actual to be proof. process to yes. exorcism. Yes, wow. there is. I did not know that. Yes. And there are still to this day, modern exorcists. There's a great mm. 
uh, I think Vice uh, interview with a modern exorcist out there wow. who's still doing exorcisms. It's really actually really interesting stuff. So Father Mike, he has to get permission from the bishop of the diocese of Gary. And the bishop had been in this diocese for 21 years and had never given anyone permission to perform an exorcism. So at first, when Father Mike asked, the request was denied. And the bishop told him to talk to other priests first who may have experienced these kinds of things before. So when he went and talked to some of these other priests, they recommended that he do basically a minor exorcism. There's other rituals that they can do that are not a full-blown exorcism and they didn't need to be approved by the bishop but the purpose of this particular ritual was to basically agitate the demons and hope that they might leave which seems like a very bad idea to stoke and poke the demons stoke in order to get them yeah yeah stoke them up and kick them out but obviously when you do this there's a chance that you could anger them and things could go really bad or put people in danger Father Mike literally researched how to perform this ritual on the internet. And once he felt like he was confident in doing it, he got the ball rolling. So first he met Latoya at the house and he did what he called an intense blessing. And then they were met by two police officers as well as Samantha, the caseworker, even came out for this. And for two hours, Father Mike said prayers, he recited scripture, and ordered the demons to leave her at once. I'm surprised Samantha came back out. I mean, she's brave. Good for her. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I mean, she's skeptical, though. She's very skeptical about what's going on. But even, even after what she's... Yeah, even after that what? whole thing. How yeah. could you be? She knows what's happened to her. Right, but most people don't believe in demons. So you're just but like, she, what so the hell's going answer. on? she wants an She wants an explanation. Right, she wants so to know, try still, to figure out what's going on. Yeah. I don't know if answers would <laughs> yeah. drive me to be anywhere near that shit. I just cannot imagine. Well, it gave I her so chills. I am so terrified of that. The, the whole little minor exorcism gave her chills and oh, everyone who I witnessed bet. the ritual felt like there was another presence in the room that wasn't any of them. It was as if they were being watched super closely by someone who's super pissed off that like wanted to hurt them. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. So after this minor exorcism was completed, father Mike told the toy to pay close attention to how she felt. He also said that the ritual would have more power if they could name the demons. Demons have individual personalities and each have their own preferred methods or torturing people and their souls. So Latoya and a friend spent hours online researching demons and finding the names of those that fit with their experiences. And I'm not going to utter these demons' names because I have done this in the past and I am concerned that perhaps that may have something to do with the activity in here. Is that what you're doing on Lights Out? I have uttered a number of different demons' names. Joshua. And after the fact, I realized that probably wasn't a good idea no, because no. if you call out to them, sometimes they find their way to you. So... Mm-hmm. Basically, he started figuring, you know, they start, Latoya started looking into different demons and, you know, they have different personalities and things that they do. And one of those particular demons is known to be Lord of the Flies. So it started kind of registering with her, like, oh, maybe the swarms of flies I, I saw. Wait, why was this demon known to be Lord of the Flies? How do they know that? People that have experiences with this particular demon oftentimes have swarms of flies. Oh, that show like up unexpectedly so oh, they all they creepy. all have their sort of different things so some of the demons could be a particular demon could have something to do with the liquid that's coming down like they have their own sort of traits oh. that they exhibit when they are manifesting themselves but while latoya was researching this particular demon the computer actually kept shutting down for no reason she said she also felt sick the entire time she was researching it she was very dizzy and lightheaded and had to take several breaks 
And when her symptoms that she was experiencing continued, Father Mike was finally able to get permission from the bishop in order to perform a full exorcism, which was more powerful than the minor rite that he had already performed. Now, Father Mike, not the most experienced person on exorcisms. I mean, he didn't even know how to do the minor rite. He had to look it up on the internet. And he claims to have performed three exorcisms on LaToya in June 2012, all at his church. So, which is interesting to me, there's definitely, I don't know, I don't know, I think there's some information missing there, because I'm like, the bishop okayed a priest that had never done an exorcism before to do three exorcisms on LaToya. Something's not adding up there. I've always, I've always had questions around that. But then again, all, all stuff related to exorcisms in the church are very hush-hush. There's a lot mm-hmm. of like, it's very secret, you know, the the Catholic church in a lot of ways is like a secret society. If you really think about oh, it, absolutely. They keep everything very tight. And especially when it comes to this kind of stuff, it's all very on a need to know basis for mm-hmm. sure. So during these exorcisms, there was actually police officers who witnessed them. But Samantha said, hell no, I'm not going to witness these exorcisms. And she refused to work on the case anymore at that point. Okay. Yeah. So she was like, I'm out. fuck Get that fuck shit. Out I'm out. Protect yourself. Mm-hmm. I would do the same thing. So again, Father Mike, he said his prayers, he recited scripture, he's doing all the exorcism things. He's, you know, trying to instigate, uh, try to get this demon riled up in order to basically cast cast the demon out. He's putting the crucifix against Latoya's head in order to do so. And as he spoke, Latoya convulsed, and the convulsions got more violent as he continued. It seemed as if the demons were fighting back. Because at this point, I think it's pretty obvious that Latoya is possessed. I mean, she's possessed by some force that is causing her to have all these symptoms to convulse when having the crucifix pressed to her head and latoya tried to pray with the priest but praying caused such intense pain throughout her body that she eventually had to stop and she literally explained that this pain was more intense than childbirth holy shit having a demon cast out of you was more painful than childbirth which i don't think there's anything more painful than natural childbirth it was something deep inside of her being oh, like no, no. ripped out. Oh no. And that, that it was so like scary. as it's like coming out, it's like clinging no. to the insides of your body. Oh, that makes so imagine me so like scared. A nasty little being being inside oh, your I body. I can't imagine it. Scraping it's the like inner a walls. Movie. Yeah, yeah. This poor woman. Yeah, literally. And it got so bad that after a while she eventually passed out. And later she said the presence inside her forced her to fall asleep in order to help make the ritual less effective. The priest took a break of several days or weeks in between each of the three exorcisms because it was that taxing and exhausting for Latoya and painful, and she obviously needed time to rest up and heal in between them. During this time, Latoya and Rosa found a place to live in Indianapolis, and Father Mike came and blessed their new home. And before the last exorcism, Latoya was suffering with terrifying nightmares. She called Father Mike, who was out of town on a retreat, and luckily he had a backup plan to help her. His assistant had written the name of a demon on a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, and put a ring of blessed salt around it. And if Latoya had these nightmares, the assistant was instructed to perform a ritual where she burned the envelope and the note inside, saved the ashes, and put them in a bonfire at the church. And once this ritual was completed, apparently Latoya's nightmare stopped and never came back. Toward the end of June, Father Mike performed the final exorcism in Latin, which made it even more powerful than the first two, which were done in English. 
And this time, the priest asked his brother to witness the ritual and stand by in case help was needed. And this final one, there was no police officers there at all. This final exorcism was very intense, but instead of getting progressively worse throughout the duration of it, Latoya's symptoms actually got better. And by the very end, she stopped convulsing as the priest said the final prayer. But as soon as that was done, she passed out, and he said words of thanksgiving and ended the ritual. Thanksgiving? Yeah, like... Oh, like thanking, giving thanks. Like the giving thing. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Not okay. like you pulled right. a turkey okay. out and they started no, no, carving. No, yep, yep. No, no. Yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but after this final exorcism, Latoya stopped experiencing all of her paranormal symptoms and she never needed another exorcism after this. Really? It was as if the demons had left her. Wow. She got her kids back oh, that November amazing. and they moved into their new home in Indianapolis. They had been separated from their mother for six months. Oh. And so obviously the kids were just ecstatic to see their mom again. And she said it was the happiest she'd ever been. Jesus, the amount of trauma this family went through during this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God. And luckily when they moved into their new home, they never experienced anything supernatural whatsoever. Oh, thank God. And they had another caseworker, actually a new one, who last saw the family in January 10, 2013. And she wrote, quote, no demonic presences or spirits in the home. And this was actually put in her report. And eventually the case was actually closed in February 2013. But there are literally over 800 pages of official records about this haunting, including reports from child services, the police, as well as interviews with police officers, caseworkers, psychologists, Father Mike, and the family. When LaToya released these records to the Indianapolis Star in 2014, she gave the medical reports as well as all the reports from psychologists, but her only condition was that the children's names would remain anonymous, which I think was a very smart yeah move on her part so that her kids aren't forever tied to this this whole incident and this house Mm -hmm. but a lot of what's written in these records is not flattering for her her competency as a mother and her mental state were questioned multiple times officials suggested she might be neglecting or abusing her kids but she still released them she still released these reports that had this information Mm -hmm. in it and she's explained that she knows what her family experience was real and she believes it was God who got them out of it. And a lot of people have accused LaToya of making all this up, obviously. And she's been outspoken about what she's experienced. And she wants people to know the truth. But if you're going to accuse her of making this up, you've got to accuse everyone that was part right. of this investigation. Right. Father Mike, right. Samantha, um, the chief, hospital, ho- the yeah, hospital staff. multiple people Multiple caseworkers. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. doctor. Yeah. So you'd have to say, you know, if you think maybe there are parts that are are not mm-hmm. necessarily authentic, but I agree with you. I think if you're going to say total bullshit, then you got to say that all these people are all mm-hmm. in on it and they're all just and for making what? shit up. No, there is no, no yeah. for what. Mm. Yeah. It's not like she got million dollars for faking this or like sold it. I'm not skeptical at all about this one. I think the skepticism also comes as a result of Zach Baggins getting oh. involved. Okay. Which Zach, I'm actually a fan. I like the guy. Do I believe everything that he does on the show is real? No. But so he hosts I think he's a great entertainer. When he's he, on Travel Channel. He owns the Haunted Museum in Vegas. Oh, right. You've been he's got a ton to go of that. haunted objects. He's mm-hmm. known to go and buy haunted houses, haunted mm-hmm. objects. Okay. And that's exactly what he did. He wanted to come and make a. Do- he heard about the story. Obviously, he was like blown away. And 
let me let me actually just play a clip of him talking about this a little bit because it's actually kind of interesting to hear his perspective. I was intrigued by how many credible sources there were to experience things. And these were with people that, that, that didn't have anything to gain by coming out and saying this. These were police officers, captains, chiefs of police from three different jurisdictions, child protective services, everyone. Um, but Captain Charles Austin with the Gary Police Department looked at me in my eyes and he said, the forces inside this house affect men electronically and women physically. So the reason why I wanted to play that clip is because it kind of, it, this kind of takes us into the, the last section of, of sort of this episode where we talk about uh, Zach Bagan's experience in the house. He made this film called Demon House, which a lot of people are like, obviously, Zach's coming in to try to capitalize off this story mm-hmm. and make so a, a little insensitive and make an interesting, you know, try to try to, well, he approached the film as a documentary. He was really mm-hmm. trying to make a documentary, which trying to make a paranormal documentary is very, very hard. But I can see why he wanted to do that, considering there were elements of this that can be proven. Right. Reports. And he got interviews with the police, with everybody yeah. spoke in it. That's really interesting. But where I think he kind of went wrong a little bit, because again, this film has 33% on Rotten Tomatoes or something oh, like really? that. Oh, really? Yeah, I got told, like, I would say most people watched it and were like, eh. Like, mm. this just kind of like ruined the whole thing and kind of really didn't help the family like it was just with salacious a bit yeah because yeah. It, it also became about zach mm-hmm. and here's why mm-hmm. so, so it really got wild because zach claims that the demon that's in this house is this goat man figure oh um which zach claims to have been visited by in a nightmare that he had um mm-hmm. where he was apparently hanging out with spirits and in the dream he saw a 12 foot tall goat man in an open doorway in this dream, this goat man forced Zach to inhale black smoke that came from its mouth. And when he woke up, he said his lungs were in pain and he could barely breathe. And he claims that this all happened before he even heard about Latoya's story. But within days of having this dream, it was everywhere. The story of Latoya was everywhere. And that's how he heard about it. And that's when he started making phone calls and he ended up buying the house. Really? Zach went and bought Latoya's house. Oh well, I guess there is a buyer out there for every house. Yep, Zach wow. bought it for thirty-five thousand bucks. Oh, that's a deal. Uh, that's a that is a hell. That of is a deal. A deal. Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't know if I could pass that up. I would. I'd be interested in that too. <laughs> but you would never let me do that. No. So <laughs> no, 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 never, never, never. So he bought it from the current owner. So after Latoya left the house, and this was really when the story broke, was when she had already moved to Indianapolis. Uh, the owner, Charles Reed, sold it to Zach. And because Charles was like, I can't do anything with it. It's haunted as fuck. And now it's got like, you know, people, random homeless people coming in and, and squatting in it and stuff like that. So Zach bought it for cheap and he got his crew together and he went out to Gary Indiana and started filming. And he started working on this film, Demon House, uh, to try to do a paranormal investigation on it. Uh, What's interesting is that shortly after buying the house, he got a call from a psychic medium named Chris Fleck. And Chris Fleck had a very stern warning to Zach. Chris said the house's guardian, the demonic guardian of this house, was in fact a 12-foot-tall goat man. That's terrible. Truly an evil presence and that he should stay away. Well, Zach was like, wait a minute. I had a dream about this exact same figure you're speaking about. 
So now I have to go investigate this house. Mm. So mm. again, this is Zach has got a lot of people look at either Zach as a total yeah. fraud trying to capitalize and stuff. Mm-hmm. Zach claims he's basically psychic. He's got the ability to see spirits and he's in tune with all of it. I mean, mm-hmm. he surrounds himself with haunted shit. So you can take that for what it is. It could just be all a way to create a personality for yourself. I mean, he's made a lot of money off it. He's famous because yeah. he's kind of this paranormal dude. That's or he's like, telling the truth or I mean, he's legit. Yeah, I mean, how do you know? I don't know him personally, so I don't judge him on that. I, I take his word for it until, you know, obviously I know they fake shit on ghost adventures cause mm-hmm. they have to, and they pretty much admit that they do that in order to make the episodes more interesting. Yeah. So that definitely, so it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to really know what's true and what's not. Yeah. He's been, you, he's also been um, doing ghost adventures for like, 12 years though like he's been doing this for long a long long time yeah years wow. he's made his whole career around paranormal now it's haunted museum is like popping man that mm-hmm, place really is, in vegas yeah and this is why i wanted to go i want to go there eventually is because he's got a lot of really interesting stuff that come from the most random not just like cursed objects but he's got clothing or items or paintings from serial killers to all sorts of different types of people I've promised Josh that I would go to this museum with him, but I've got to say I'm terrified to go in there. It, I mean, well, you literally sign a waiver when you go in. You okay, sign a waiver. Well, that's, well, but nobody, everybody's fine. People feel like little tap. Nobody's actually. They, he's had one person pass out in there. Haunted objects only really one. freak me out. I've I think only it was had, Post Malone or something. Or oh right, yeah, I remember that. Post Malone had a really weird experience. Yeah, he in did. There. He he opened the the box, the, the Dybbuk box, the Dybbuk yes, box. Yeah, I do remember that. Which is his most haunted object, and that's in, there. in the. I don't want to go. It's in the basement that. though. It's a. It's a. It's even worse in the basement. That's well, so scary. It's like. What if something attaches to us when we leave the museum? Well, you're that not is, I'm just to terrified touch it. of that. He let Post Malone do it because he's Post Malone. But. The only time I've ever <laughs> been around haunted objects was at the Stanley Hotel. We did a tour and they had this one. They had a couple things, but the thing that freaked me out the most was this haunted mirror that they mm. say if you look in it, you can see a he's face. He's got a haunted mirror too. Just being near this mirror gave me the worst feeling I've ever had in my life. So I'll probably just be terrified the entire time, but I'll do it for you. It'll I be love fun. you. It'll so. be fun. So, Zach goes to the house, mm-hmm. but he wants to interview Latoya and the family about it. So he tried to track them down at their new home in Indianapolis. He tried to call them several times, but Latoya never called him back. Yeah, she probably wants nothing to do with right, this. Right, She's right. like, I'm trying to get on with my life yeah, here. Yeah, you're trying to bring hell. me back into it no. for your film. Yeah. So he actually goes to Indianapolis and he knocks on her door. What? And Latoya's brother, Kevin, answers and explains that Latoya and Rosa refused to talk to Zach. Because he had been in the house. So they're worried that now whatever was in the house is attached to Zach and Zach could bring it to their new home. They've been through enough. Leave them alone. Which I was also like, yeah, dude, what'd you think? (laughs) Just going to their house like that? Don't you think they're terrified of anybody that's still going into that house? Yeah. So, yeah, he wasn't able to get Latoya in his film Mm. um, because they didn't want to take any or Rosa or anybody who's actually lived in the house. But Kevin agreed to talk. Who's her brother. Right. So he actually drove around with Zach in the film and explained that his sister gave him strict instructions not to ever set foot in the house. And he actually talked about how the haunting affected his nephews and niece. And he witnessed possession firsthand when they stayed with him for a few days. In fact, he'd heard the sound of one of his nephews getting thrown across a room and crashing into a wall. And another day, the kid started to chant in his living room. And it started with his youngest nephew and moved on from kid to kid. He also witnessed his nephew's 
uh, fighting with their grandmother, attacking each other in the back seat, saying crazy, crazy things that young kids shouldn't say to their grandmother. Uh, so he kind of gave him some of the information about, you know, what the what Latoya's family had experienced for his film. But what's crazy is that after Kevin met with Zach, they wouldn't let him back in the house. Latoya wouldn't let him back in. Really? Yeah. Her a brother? Yeah. Did he ever get let I, back I in? Like, yeah, I believe so. Maybe I he think, got a cleansing or something? He had to get cleansed first, yeah. Holy shit. But they didn't just shit. let him, Right after sitting with Zach, they didn't let him like just come right but back I in the house. But I totally understand where she's coming from. I would be the same way. Why would you take any more chances right, with what you've been through? Stay the fuck away mm-hmm. from me. All Like, all of that. <laughs> just would not want anything to do with it ever again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. She was worried something would transfer yeah uh to kevin mm-hmm. so that's and that's the other kind of point of contention is the fact that latoya is not involved with this film at all even mm-hmm. though the whole story pretty much centers around her but now it's centering around zach and his experience with this goat man so even though latoya refused to actually talk to zach in 2014 latoya and father mike signed a movie deal with evergreen media holdings with zach um in order to put this film out so after talking to kevin and hearing Latoya's family's version of events, he tracked down Father Mike, Captain Austin, and others who had been in the house to get the rest of the story. And they told him the terrifying details of the possessions, the haunting, and exorcisms. And the people who were squatting in the house, as well as the previous owner, Charles Reed, all commented that there was no haunting in that house, that the squatters and the new owner had not experienced anything at all. I was wondering about that. The people squatting there, did they have any issues? Mm-hmm. And the previous owner? Hmm. But but that was just coming from Charles. Now, Zach actually went in there and paid the squatters to leave. And one of the men who were living there said that he had seen some shit, which I don't know what that exactly what that means. Mm. But again, conflicting accounts here. But Zach then found out that Latoya's stepmother told the media that she and other members of the family were very upset that their names were being dragged into all of this. And she denied that there was anything supernatural happening to Latoya and her kids. A photo had been leaked online of a ghost in the house's front window that upset the family even more because the house was supposedly empty when the photo was taken. That's so creepy. Yeah. There's a some type of figure standing. That is scary. Right I don't like mm-hmm. looking at it. Is that verified? Could that have been photoshopped or edited in any way? Do we know that that's a real photo? It was leaked online, so we don't know for sure. I mean, it, yeah. according to this photo, it says Hammond Police Department. So perhaps it was a police photo that was taken which mm-hmm. i think is the case and after and the fact they noticed that in the okay. picture and it leaked to the public wow. somehow because yeah. it was the demon house it does say him in mm-hmm. his department huh? i mean there's clearly something in there too so after this zach decided to have the house inspected which seems like a smart thing to do right mm-hmm. well the inspector found toxins like mold asbestos and carbon monoxide which could have caused some of the symptoms like headaches disorientation and mood swings or those things were in there because of the haunting in the house that right right or because the house was seemingly abandoned for a while Mm -hmm. and it kind of all got out of hand too Mm -hmm. since there was you know squatters there and stuff plus there was liquid oozing out Mm -hmm. could have created who even knows what that was who really knows but just as he was starting to have doubts about the whole story with latoya and everything he met mika and mika had lived there in the 90s with her mother and she had brought her three kids to see the house and actually talk to zach She told him when a friend of hers would stay at the house, she heard footsteps and people walking around who weren't there. And as they walked around and talked, she told him she had never been in the basement before, but she agreed to go down with Zach and her kids. 
When they got to the bottom of the steps, she immediately accused one of the kids of kicking her. And when reviewing the video later, Zach saw her leg buckle, but no one had actually kicked her going down to the basement. Fuck. She then explained that her brother used to live in the basement and that the back room was his bedroom. And around that time, she was having dreams that someone she knew would die, but no one in her family would listen. But soon after this, her brother was actually shot and killed. So obviously, kind of going back over this really upset her, and she definitely wanted to get out of the basement. Mika's son told Zach he was really scared to be inside the house and asked if the ghost would follow them home. And that's when Mika's microphone picked up a voice that said, Run, LaToya. What? Yeah. Oh, no. So rather than just bulldozing the house at this point, Zach and his crew decided to set up an altar in the living room and in the basement. Oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then this is, for me, this was like where a lot of stuff was like, uh, you know, he's like, mm-hmm. sometimes he'll do this thing where he randomly will like shove a crew member. Like really? he says he gets these angry like feelings, impulses over him and he starts like lashing out doing like crazy shit and like. What? So he said. That this kind of stuff started happening and started freaking everybody else out on the crew. So he shoved a member in his crew and then told them to get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And this was captured on surveillance yes. camera. Yeah. And apparently afterwards, Zach had no memory of what had happened. So similar to what LaToya or her kids had actually gone through. But this was Zach mm-hmm. now, which I don't know. And when you watch it, yeah. you'd be like, eh, I don't know there. That seemed a little, little dramatic there. Huh. <laughs> That's the problem with some of these ghost hunting uh, documentaries or shows is if they can't find anything interesting that's happening to use, they start making things up and that happens so often. And that's what makes me question some of this. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't blame you. I mean, it's we're we're just programmed this way to be skeptical mm-hmm. of things that we can't prove. Right. We, yeah. we don't have tangible ways to prove. And with TV mm-hmm. and movies and films, whether you call it a documentary or not, I mean, Tons of documentaries kind of like add some stuff oh, in yeah. there to try to make oh, it a yeah. little bit more interesting to watch. So so who really knows? But apparently a neighbor called the cops about this whole incident because they thought someone was like trying to break into the house. Eventually the cops came there and they were, you know, talking to them and all that. And it was this whole ordeal. Um, and some of the police officers that came didn't even want to go anywhere near the house because they were worried about what might follow them home. But then the next day, Zach talked to Valerie Washington, the first caseworker for the family. So there was a lot of different things that happened during the the filming of Demon House. I mean, there's claims that people that came in left either feeling completely off or developing medical conditions. Uh, People were affected mentally. I mean, it was just the whole filming of it was basically a terrible experience, so much so that Zach believes that the film itself is cursed. Of course, Demon House is cursed film. I'm Zach Bagans. I'm one of the world's leading researchers on ghosts and demonology. And this film is cursed. So the film was actually released on March 16, 2018. After listening to this, if you've never watched it before, I mean, it's it's worth a watch to kind of like put some of the visuals to some of the things we talked about. And, and also just so you can kind of make up for in your own mind, what you think about about Zach and about Latoya's story and the house uh, as a whole. But after filming, Zach decided to have the house demolished. And the reason for this, he said, was because he didn't want anyone else to get hurt as a result of this house being there. After tearing it down, they took most of the debris and buried it in a landfill. But 
Of course, Zach had to keep something from the house, and what he kept was the basement stairs and some of the dirt, and then put it all in a storage unit. After the house was demolished, the police actually got multiple complaints of people performing satanic rituals in the empty lot. I guess when the house was up too, there was like people that would go out and do like seances in the yard and stuff because they're like demon house, you know, let's try to see, see if it's real. It's already an open portal. Exactly. They're like, let's go over there and see if we can make contact with anything. A lot of people though in this town believe that this house was indeed built over a portal to hell or that a portal was opened inside of the home. And they hope that whatever was in the home or this portal was closed when the building was actually torn down. And I believe to this day, there's nothing, there's no like activity still going on after the house was demolished. People still go to the side of it and film it and everything, of course. But that was pretty much kind of the end of the demon house and this seemingly portal of hell that was opened by somebody who had lived in the house at one point. Uh, who had done a ritual it seemed like under the stairs but but yeah i mean it's one of those where there's definitely a lot of evidence as far as witnesses go and their experiences but then again you know we don't have the concrete proof that i think a lot of people would Mm -hmm. want in order to really affirm that this was all real and that this happened i totally get that so yeah what do you guys think like do you believe latoya's story do you think she really went through I do because what I mean, what would be the point of making all this up and losing your child children for six right. months, traumatizing them, and the fact that all these other credible witnesses saw this stuff just makes and me, experience yeah. stuff themselves mm-hmm. as a result of just going into the house. Right. So it's hard. It's very hard because mm-hmm. I do because according to the reports and mm-hmm. the evaluations done they all point to Latoya having pretty severe mental illnesses that may have resulted in a lot of the behavior and perhaps her children being raised under this would have been affected by it. But then again, I go back to Rosa, her mother who was with her the entire time. And people saw the kid walking up the wall. You can't just fake that and train the kid to do some weird stunt and get them that. Then you got to believe the kids are in on it too. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's, this it's, one, normally I'm skeptical, but of course there's elements of this story and how this is all played out that I'm skeptical about. Yeah. But I really, I believe Latoya and her family and all these other people who saw this and the police. I mean, I think there's what? too many people to just say that it's all bullshit. Right. I, I really do. I think that there's some real experiences that happen here. This and a lot a of really the, interesting one. Yeah. Isn't it? Like yeah. there's just a lot, lot it actually to it. like really scared me. Like yeah. I'm, I'm a little spooky. Yeah. I feel very uh, cold right now, but I can't tell if that's just because <laughs> could it's be the fact we're in a metal box in yeah. the middle of uh, a cold fall day. But I definitely but. am getting that creepy feeling. And I thought I was going to be more skeptical about this. than yeah. I ended up. That's being. why I wanted to cover it on my mm-hmm. heart. Cause it's one of those that actually has, decent media coverage actually right. has interviews actually has police it almost plays out involved. like a true crime case yeah it really does yeah. it really yeah. does but with that being said we want to know what your guys' thoughts are of course on the story of the demon house mm-hmm. and the terrible experience latoya went through while living there we want to know if you think this is authentic or if you think that perhaps this was fake somehow if you think this was all faked or hoaxed I'd love to know how you think this happened yeah. and how, what, you know, were they all in cahoots yeah. together? I want to hear I your mean, opinions on this. I don't yeah. think there was that much money that was made as a result of no. Demon House and all that. So it's hard yeah, to believe really that. really see the moment or the uh, motive. Sorry. Right, right. My brain is absolutely mush after this week. But 
Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I I certainly did find that very interesting. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode there. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mile Hard Podcast, definitely let us know. Make sure you subscribe. YouTube and Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it. We will be back next week with another episode of the Mile Hard Podcast. But until then, keep on taking your mind a. Eight-